friends. Welcome to the That Sounds Fun podcast. This is your host, Annie F. Downs. Um, That song opening us is The Broken Beautiful by Ellie Holcomb, a dear friend of mine and yours. And so she will be kicking off the podcast. Here we go, right? Like our first podcast. Yay. It's going to be awesome. So the purpose of the podcast is really simple. I kind of just want a place to share with you some of my favorite things, people, places, food, books, music, kind of whatever I'm loving right now. I just wanted a better outlet to share that with you. And that is exactly how we're kicking this off. Last week, I had the incredible opportunity to interview Ted Decker, who has long been one of my very, very favorite authors. He writes these incredible fiction stories that have so many ties to our faith and ties to the world we live in, but are just deep and wide and uh, wonderful and scary sometimes and weird sometimes, but really, really fascinating in general. And I am just such a huge fan of his writing. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was given the opportunity to sit down with him and talk about his new book, AD 30, that has just come out. It's really good. I already got to read it. And so along the themes of what does Annie think is fun and what does Annie want to share with her friends? Ted Decker and 8030 totally fit in that. And I wanted you guys to hear about it and get the chance to hear straight from Ted about where this book came from and, and how he created it. This is a two-part interview, one this week and one on our next podcast. And this week, we're totally going to focus on AD 30 and getting to know Ted and hearing about his life um, in the process of writing this book. So I'm super excited. I really hope you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, here is my interview with author Ted Decker. Hi, Ted. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Yeah. Hi, Annie. Thank you for this. So you're in Austin. I'm in Nashville. Yeah. And you're just on your phone, right? Yeah, I'm on my cell phone. Yeah, I'm sad for you because it's very disappointing <laughs> that I get to wear a cool headset and have a microphone, and you just have to have a phone. Sorry. Yeah, well, that'll that'll have to do. I'm sitting in front of a fireplace on my couch, so I'm I'm comfortable. Yeah, you win. You win in that part. <laughs> um, well, for starters, I would love, uh, as I've said to you a little bit before, I'm just such a fan of your writing and and the books you have already put out. And I know a lot of my readers and friends who are listening to this are already know who you are. Will you kind of start off, your new book is this eighty thirty, the first mm-hmm. of a trilogy. We, can you just kind of give us a little bit about where did this idea come from? Where did this series get birthed in your mind? Yeah. Well, great question. Actually, it started, I remember 10 years ago, going to my publisher then, Alan Arnold, saying, someday when I'm ready, I'm going to write the mother of all stories, and that is the story of Jesus, but seen from a foreigner's perspective, from a woman's perspective, who's outside of the Jewish culture, because that's who we are. We're, we come from, you know, a totally different culture. What does it look like from someone outside to to hear his teaching and to watch what happens and to ultimately witness the crucifixion and all of it? Um, and I want to do it in such a way that it's a, it's a grand adventure, like an epic adventure with war and cute betrayal and uh, bloodshed and, and, you know, romance. So uh, not, not just where it's more like Ben-Hur, you know, where, mm-hmm. where our, the touch points with Jesus are maybe only a third of the book or, or a quarter of the book. And we will really invest ourselves in the character and we become that character. And I want to understand myself not just from a theological perspective or not just, you know, the way we do in church or whatever, but really what was it like and what did he really teach? Because I suspect that 
what I have learned my whole life might be a little bit different. I want to re-experience that. That was 10 years ago. So for years, for years I've been contemplating it. When, it really wasn't until maybe three years ago that I realized, um, you know, after going myself through some significant struggles, where all the promises that I had clung, you know, that I held on to, what life had promised me in this, in this world began to kind of crumble. That, um, and I kind of went through a major shift in my own life that I realized, okay, it's time. It's time to see what Jesus taught about this life. Because you see, it's this, let me just say one thing, and I know you have some other questions. But no, this is great. We all, you know, we all as Christians, and I'm speaking, 70% of the people in this country have had, you know, claim to be saved or to have given their life to Jesus at some point. You know, we'll call them Christians. So that's a huge group of people. And so I say we're all, you know, glad for our salvation in the next life. And we're saved and we're grateful for that. But we don't seem to be saved from the storms that rise against us in this life. We grow up thinking that, okay, Jesus taught that we would have great power to love, to turn the other cheek, to love the enemy even. You know, um, and we would, there many, he made all kinds of incredible, seemingly outlandish promises. And yet I found that in the midst of the storms, I mean, let's think of those as the storms that rise up against us in this life. In the midst of those storms, I was really no different than my you know, the Muslims that I grew up with, mm. or than my neighbors who were, were not Christians at all. I struggled, you know, as much as they did. And I, so it was then that I said, okay, I need to go and rediscover what his teaching really, really was. Um, and so I called him by a different name. I called him by his name that he was called in the, at the time, which is either Yeshua or Yeshua, depending on who you talk to, and um, I became a woman, Mavia, who is from the deep desert of Arabia in Duma, all historically accurate, and uh, she is a she's a slave who is destined to be a queen, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a Game of Thrones-ish kind of thing, you know, and she uh, she goes after a terrible tragedy to teach and ultimately encounters this very mysterious teacher named Yeshua. And he turns the world on its head. So that, but I, in that process, discovered exactly why my life is so powerless. Mm. And it's because, you know, um, I was in many ways misunderstanding his teachings of how to let go of this world in order to see and walk in another one, even now, now, while I'm alive on this earth. So that's the short answer. Right. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, no, Ted, I agree. And I, I've already finished 8030. I devoured it. And, it, you know, it takes a lot in 2014 to carry a, you know, 400-page book on an airplane. But I did it um, for four flights and just read it voracious. So I just loved it. I loved it. Um, one of the things I thought was so interesting was that, well, there's two things that stood out to me. that you One that you've talked about a little bit is the different perspective you give us of Jesus. It just Mm -hmm. had me in tears seeing him um, in a different light than just a Bible story, I guess. I don't know. He he becomes 
very human in this book in a lot of ways. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Did you do that on purpose? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what that's what a story, you know, that's what story does. Story is reality. Story is truth. The shortest distance between the human heart and truth is story because we live in story. Mm-hmm. And that's why kind of like theological teaching kind of, it, it, it's not connected to our lives. It's just um, knowing about things. And there's a vast difference. I mean, that's one of the things that the characters in this story discover is that there's a vast difference between knowing the Father intimately, which is relationship, and knowing about the Father. Mm. Knowing about the Father does you nothing. That's kind of, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like you can know all about, <clears throat> you know, a, a, a dashing warrior in the desert who you know about, you know his reputation, and you want to, you'd love to pursue them and win them as your husband. But until you actually consummate that relationship, you don't know them. You only know about them. And uh, story does that. You actually enter into um, and enter into the experience. It's experiencing the Father. It's experience. This uh, this story eighty thirty allows people to experience Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's the magic of story. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I think so too. I feel like this is the kind of book that I want to give my friends who claim. Christianity, but don't feel the power of it because it Mm -hmm. gives you such a different, and throughout the book, you take Bible stories we have read and put on, um, in Sunday school lessons our whole lives and show (laughs) us from a different perspective, almost from an outsider watching this Bible story happen, like the woman who was bleeding and the, um, the storm on the sea Mm -hmm. that Jesus calms. I just thought that was amazing. And I think you're probably seeing this in our culture, like I am that, that where women fit in the church is really being questioned and brought up and pushed into right now. And I think you do a really interesting job of showing courage and leadership in a woman's point of view in a, uh, in a culture that that wasn't acceptable. How did you, how did you find that? Tell me about speaking in a woman's voice and, and how you could connect with a brave woman from 2000 years ago enough to be her. Well, I, of course, I have written from a woman's perspective in a number, n- number of novels. Right. You know, we know very, very clearly, doctrinally, that in Christ there is no male or female. Okay, so now you say, well, that's yeah, there's no male or female in Christ. But what does that mean about our lives now? You know, of course, there's male and female. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it, it, we, I've never, I just, I've never understood the conflict um, that's in the church. In fact, I'm surprised to discover that there's still, I guess, a number of churches that um, don't want women to really speak that much or, or whatever, whatever that, whatever that might be. For me, for me, I didn't really even think about that so much as I went into it. I just, I just became a via. Yeah. It's a very, it, I just became a via. I became a woman who was shamed because we're all the same in that respect. You know, for women, it's, it's, this is a very, this is a very, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm writing from a woman's perspective, a woman who's shamed. But we're all in a position where society, where we ourselves, where our entire culture, where our entire heritage places on us massive expectations to be a certain way, to live up to certain expectations that there's no way we can live up to, to, to look a certain way. You know, let's start mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. That's a huge issue. Um, for a man, it's not that different than a woman. I mean, there mm-hmm. are there are differences, but it's the same root issue, and that is 
trying to live up to the expectations placed on us, not only by our parents, not only by our friends, not only by society, but also by what we think God expects of us, our yeah. Father expects of us. And, and so we expect that of ourselves, and we constantly fail. We live in a constant state of failure, never quite measuring up. And so we're, we're constantly in a, in a place of, uh, of, of suffering because of that. We trick ourselves into thinking we're doing well for a short time, or we try mm-hmm. to escape from it through all kinds of various you know, escape, escapes. But we always, we always have this deep suspicion that we, we ourselves, other people might be succeeding, but we're not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is especially true of women in our society. Um, man, it's just, it's just absolutely insane. It really is insane. Jesus, the way he reached out to women in his culture, they are more, you know, they, women in his day live in a time where they were truly suppressed mm-hmm. and were shamed just for being a woman. Um, you know, it's, and the novel brings that out in spades. Yep. But we're the same Even with Jesus' own anyway. mother, I think you show that really well, showing Mary experiencing that to some degree. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, she, all women of that day um, were treated not only as second-class citizens, but shamed. The book, the novel starts off that way. You know, to be born with, a, with the blood of a woman um, is, to, is to be born in shame. But we all are. We all feel shamed in the same way today. Mm-hmm. We all feel, um, yeah, unworthy. And that's the root of our struggle. We don't understand the Father's heart for us at all. Yeshua comes along with in, with an incredible power of acceptance and love. It's His presence alone and His acceptance that even looks at you, that that brings you into this place of complete acceptance without reservation. And that is the beginning of the journey. It's, it's the start. Yeah, and I feel like that's what you, I mean, it's amazing how long you read in AD 30 before you even meet him, right? It's just, you're you're yeah. on this journey. It's almost like you don't even realize he's coming until, it, you as the reader are almost as much looking for him as the soldier, you know, as they are as they're traveling, so. Yeah, yeah, Judah and Saba, the warriors. Yeah, it's, in, um, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, th- this journey, I took this journey myself. It, it kind of ruined me in, in the best, best way. Mm-hmm. Um, in 80, oh, any, 8033, I'm just now, I just finished writing the crucifixion scene for the sequel. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing the things that he taught, the things that he said in the last week of his life. They're just, yeah, I feel like I've never heard them. Like yeah. no one's talking about them. They're amazing that last week of his life. It's such a beautiful thing. You, you know, we know that he he died for our sins, and, and so we're eternally grateful. But there's so much more than that. He gives us such incredible power to live in this life. You know, and he's so young. Gone. Does that? Do you, yeah. Are you hitting on that as you're? Right? I mean, that still. I just turned 34, and it yeah. it, it just <laughs> amazes me when I think. He is the he he was younger than I am now, and I know guys who are thirty, and I cannot imagine that's the age of Jesus. You know what? I haven't really pointed that out. That's a great point. 
I haven't really. I should go back in AD 33 here. And and dude, that's a great point. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It, well. Uh, you're good. welcome, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. I like that. Yeah, it just amazes me when I think of my peers being brave enough to do the things that Jesus was walking and saying. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, 30. I mean, he's very young, especially for that. I mean, wise people in his time were almost all, you know, people with gray beards and. Oh, which, by the way, I also love Nicodemus in here. I loved his personality. I loved his how genuine you wrote him. I mean, I just, I loved him as well as a character. Yeah, cool. He's so. only in for very, only for a few pages, but, um, yeah. He's just the guy that we know. You know, he's the guy that we've always heard his name, and then he, he's, and he's the grandfather or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To me, he's always the, like, the old guy who's come around to it, like the like the grandfather at a contemporary worship service, you know. Yeah. But but he's the guy that that really kind of gets it—the the, the true mystical nature, mm-hmm. the mystical nature. You know, people are afraid of that term mystical, but mystical simply only means embracing mystery, yeah. Rather than having to have it all figured out. I mean, who are we to have, have you know? We're so obsessed with figuring things out as opposed to like an infant, like a child trusting and knowing and and letting go of you know letting go of what we think we know mm-hmm. so that we might actually know mm-hmm. man that is um, one thing that has affected me reading ad 30 is is exactly what you said this idea of i thought i got this i thought i understood what jesus's personality was like to some degree and and i see him totally different so it is one of my very favorite things. It will make me cry if we talk much more about it. So we will not. <laughs> but um, okay, so yeah. it's eighty thirty, and then eighty thirty three, and then there's a third one as well, right? Well, right now I find the third one. Ah, okay. Which, which is which would be eighty thirty seven or thirty nine? We'll see. Oh wow, okay. But it's going to be um, <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah. Eighty thirty three will take it through. The resurrection is really the story is really about his resurrection and incredible mm-hmm. power mm-hmm. and and our union with the Father. Sure, you know which is not taught too much in the church today at all. But um, yeah, I mean the other half, the other half of his teaching, which came really in the very at the very end of his time on earth, and then of course through the through the resurrection, we we have no clue who we really truly are. All this is a a matter of identity. When we understand who we truly are, our lives radically change. Mm. But we don't know. We we forget who we are, and so we're we're blinded once again to our true identity in this life, and and becoming blinded even within the church. The church is full of people like myself, who, though saved in the next life, whatever your doctrinal beliefs are, walk in this life blind you know, uh, unable to see. Jesus said that the eye, the eye of the heart, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are clear, you will see light. If your eyes are not clear, you will see darkness. And how deep is that darkness? Mm -hmm. So as you go through life, what do you see? Do you see light or do you see darkness? Well, it depends on whether or not your eyes are clear, whether or not they're open. And the church is full of people that are lost, you know, in their own suffering. Yeah, that's right. Not measuring up, hating the way they are, wishing they could be better. Uh, yeah, but yes, we came to bring sight to the blind. Mm. That's right. Yes, 
Ted, this is really great. Okay, now I have, I have one more question about this okay. segment. Okay. In Ted Decker style, is there going to be some like when we read eighty thirty, and then we get to read eighty thirty three? Is there going to be some like mind blowing little string that you've tied? I'm sure. Like, are you bringing in the stuff from the circle books? Like, can you give us like a little <laughs> spoiler? You're just such a genius at blowing my mind at the end of a series. Yeah. Well, we shall see. These things uh, evolve. Uh, eighty thirty three allows me to go into more um, kind of mysterious and mystical segments that are um, related to <clears throat> dreams. Um, I can't, I won't spoil it. I okay, won't don't spoil, spoil it, it yet. But, um, you, you know, because 8033 leads into, of course, Pentecost and the early, the early disciples. If you think of think of this, I mean, this isn't this isn't what 8030 is or 80, the 8030 is, but if you think of it, you say, well, in a way, Jesus was like the first superhero, and those who followed him, followed him became like his apprentices, and who also did the same works that he did, and he said even greater, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's true. I mean, if you read in the beginning of Acts, the kinds of things that happen, it's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like wait, it's like this has to be just a comic book or something. I mean, what's going on here? People are like disappearing from one place and reappearing and so i mean this is it's just craziness it seems like right right and so but what if you actually write a story about that what if that how does that look right so let, I'll, I'll, I'll have to say that um as i get into that part of the story I, there it's it gives me great liberty to go into some real kind of more mystical experiences where things are happening that you know we don't think of as really well, it happened then, but sure. not now. But sure. well, okay, let's see how that looks. So it kind of harkens back to more of the kind of writing that allows me to do to do things that um, I think, especially younger readers are going to, oh, all of us are going are to eat up because it's like, wow, that's wow. Right. Could, I, could I have that power? Yeah. You know, and yeah. Well, Ted, I haven't yeah, run so across one of your novels yet that I haven't like <laughs> wanted to eat up. So I'm feeling great about AD 30 and AD 33. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Right. I told y'all, isn't he so interesting? Oh my gosh. I just loved listening back through that interview with you and getting to hear all about Ted Decker. And the best part is this is only part one of two interviews. So the next one will be on the next podcast, which I'm really excited to share with you. We kind of talk about what it means to be an author and what it means to be a writer. And, and I had heard this one rumor about Ted Decker's writing life that I had to find out if it was true or false. It's the thing I've repeated over and over and I had to find out if it was true or false. So that is next time on the podcast. I hope you'll also grab 8030, Ted Decker's most recent book and get to reading it. I mean, it, you will just absolutely love the story and, and connect with it. I think and P.S., how proud are you of me for being able to use sound effects and music? I know. I'm like learning GarageBand as we go. So that's it for episode one. That sounded fun, right? Did that sound fun to you? It sounded fun to me. I'm having a great time. So can't wait for you guys to hear the part two of this interview with Ted. And as well, keep up with me. Keep in touch. My I'm super easy to find on the internet, AnnieFDowns.com. My Twitter is AnnieFDowns, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. Pretty much if you want to find me, type in my name and I will be there. It's like Batman, but different. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear the next episode and for this to keep going. We have lots of great ideas of fun things I want to tell you about and um, share with you. So 
here we go. We're starting something new and fun. Let me know what you think. Can't wait to hear from you and I will talk to you soon.